I invite you to turn to the ninth chapter of Luke. And this morning we're going to be looking at the 23rd through the 26th verses, with the key verse being that 23rd verse in Luke chapter 9. I'll ask you to stand, if you would, in honor of God's Word. You follow in your translation. I'll be reading from the NIV. Would you stand and you follow as I read Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Would you bow with me for prayer? <clears throat> Father, we thank you for these portions from your word, word that continue to be rich in meaning for us today, words that certainly are applicable to us today, words that must be life-changing even for us today. Help us, Father, even as we look at these familiar words and phrases to find some new thought, some new application, some new direction for our lives today. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you. And be seated. This is one of those hard sayings of Jesus. It's easier for us to think about the Beatitudes, some of the parables, the miracles, even many of the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of God. But here, Jesus has some very serious talk about just what is involved when we follow him. It's easy for us to think about placing our faith and our trust in him. It's easy to talk about getting involved in kingdom work and prayer and Bible study, even witnessing, but then at the heart of the matter is where Jesus says we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And that's where it gets hard. Who enjoys talking about death on a cross, much less choosing it? We have five records of the words of our Lord to take up our cross. Matthew chapter 10, also in chapter 16, our in Mark chapter 8, our passage this morning in Luke and then again in the 14th chapter of Luke. Some of these are almost identical to each other. Some of them help strengthen our Luke chapter 9 passage. For example, in 10th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said, anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Later in Luke chapter 14, he said, anyone who does not take his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I need to take a moment and explain the importance of two words that we've already heard several times this morning. Follow me. There is a much deeper meaning and application to these words than we realize. When I enrolled at Marshall College many years ago, there was an incoming freshman uh, that came in with me, a young lady with a very, very uh, strong musical talent. She could have had a, a completely uh, paid scholarship to any college or university in the nation, but she chose to go to this little Baptist college in Western North Carolina because there was one 
professor there that she wanted to study under. In New Testament usage, the words follow me, as well as that companion phrase of come after me, and Jesus used both of these, each of these carry the idea of a complete and unreserved devotion. It was so much more than just, well, try it out for a while and just see if you like it. It meant so much more than that. Follow me and come after me. Both refer to an extremely strong bond of alignment and dedication. A first century historian said that the relationship between a disciple and teacher was not unlike the relationship between a master and slave. A disciple would do anything for his teacher that a slave would do for his master except loosen his sandals. And that's why John chose, John the Baptist chose his words very, very carefully when he said, one is coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And what John the Baptist was saying was that there is one coming that you're going to think he's coming to be my disciple, but no, he's saying when he comes, I will be less than a disciple, even less than a slave compared to him. And that's why also Jesus said that people needed to count the cost if they were going to follow him. He uses that phrase three times alone in the ninth chapter of Luke. There has been a neglect on the part of many preachers today to remind us and to remind us often of the importance of cross-bearing. And I think there are some reasons for that. Number one, in your outlines, in your bulletin today, the one reason for the, is the perversion of this teaching in the past. And one of these perversions is, what the Christ, is that the Christian life calls for us to unusually cut ourselves off or isolate ourselves from the rest of the world. And that's thought of as being part of bearing our cross. Now, clearly, we are not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed, but we are not to be removed from this world. Jesus said we are to go into all the world. One of the first monastics was a man by the name of Anthony who lived about 200 years after Christ. He lived to be 105 years old and he spent most of his life in complete isolation in the desert area around the Red Sea. Then about 100 years after that, there were the Anchorites. The Anchorites were men who lived on top of tall stone pillars and they devoted themselves to prayer. And the thought was, this was their cross to bear, to be separated from the rest of society. One of these men, Simon Stylites, lived on top of one of these stone pillars for 30 years. Incidentally, this practice has continued even into modern times today. There are still people who may not live on top of stone pillars out in the desert, but they do completely remove themselves from all of society. Is that their cross to bear? Another perversion of cross bearing in more recent years is that it has been promoted as a second level of Christianity, something that we progress into. According to this teaching, a person begins this progression in simple faith and then maybe 
progresses into higher levels of success and happiness, but only when they learn to give up self. In other words, there's ordinary Christianity, and then there is advanced Christianity. Now, the Apostle Paul certainly said that there were those people who were still on milk, and they needed to uh, progress and move on to solid food in their walks of faith, but I don't see anything in the Bible about ordinary Christianity and advanced Christianity. It's the same as saying that there's no such thing as being a little committed. What Jesus would have us understand from this passage today is that discipleship requires complete and total commitment. There's another perversion of cross-bearing, and it's that of sensationalizing the cross. I'm reminded of a man who in 1969 took the approach of sensationalizing the cross by constructing a large cross and then began dragging this cross all across the country. He eventually went on to other countries and in all honesty, I think he did some good. He did preach along the way. If nothing else, he raised some awareness to the Christian faith, but the draw, the appeal was Come see this man who is dragging his cross all around the world. I haven't looked in a very long time, but I can tell you that it used to be that when you looked at his website, you didn't see someone hiding in humility behind the cross. You saw glamour. You saw fashion. You saw travel tips. You see pictures of exotic foods and recipes. You see pictures of fish that he caught when he was visiting in other countries when he wasn't dragging that cross around. And of course, you saw a lot of things that you could buy. You also saw pictures of children dragging crosses and instructions on how to build your own cross in such a way that it wouldn't be too hard for you to carry. In some Latin American countries, and in some of the Philippines today, there are churches and communities that stage passion plays. And in the crucifixion scenes in these passion plays, the men who are portraying Jesus and the thieves are actually nailed to a cross. And one of the men who has done this for more than 30 years was quoted recently as saying it doesn't even hurt anymore. Let me tell you something. We do not need to do anything to sensationalize the cross. Jesus did all that was necessary 2,000 years ago, and it does not require anything else of us. But there's still another reason why we don't hear much about cross-bearing today, and that's because we really don't want to. We like having our sins forgiven. We like hearing about God's promises. We like hearing about having an abundant life. We like hearing about going to heaven one day. But the idea that Jesus expects us to die is not something that we want to hear about. But we must. Number two in your outlines. What we need to understand today is that this threefold demand of Jesus to deny self and take up our cross and follow him 
is not a progression. It's not a series of steps. You do step one, and if that works out okay, then you progress on to step two, and then after a while you can try out step three. If it was, then it would make a whole lot more sense to put them in a different order. We could think about following him for a while, and if things work out okay, then we might think about some things in life that we might want to give up that would be denying. And then later, if we're still on board, then we can think about taking up a cross, but that's not what it means. It is not a progression. It is the same thought. The tenses of the verbs that are used in Luke 9, 23 are important to helping us understand it. The first part of the verse is what's called the present infinitive. And that's just a phrase that means it's an ongoing process. It's not just something that happens once. It's something that keeps on. In other words, as you come after me, when you are coming after me, then you have to do these things. And then later, in the latter part of the verse, when it actually does talk about denying self and taking up our cross and following him, English majors know that that's what's called an aorist imperative. And that just simply means it's referring to a very specific demand to do something specific. And so on one hand, you have this infinitive that could be thought of as being too vague, too general, to have much importance to it, to carry much weight. But then you have the idea of something that's very, very specific. But when you put them together and in the same verse, then they complement each other. It strengthens the thought. And when you see it in that light, what Jesus is saying is that as you come after me, not if you just want to give it a test drive and see if you like it, but when you are coming after me, you must be doing these things. And you must be doing them every day. That's why. When we look at this verse in Luke 9, 23, in English it says you must deny self and take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a progression. All three thoughts are the same, and that's the heart of my message to you today. Listen, to deny self is to die to self. To take up our cross is to take ourselves to an execution. And to follow me, Jesus said, is to follow him to a cross. All three thoughts are the same, and it is quite simply, we have to die. Well, pastor, could you be more morbid? <laughs> no, I'm not being morbid. In fact, it's, it's not even talking about martyrdom. It's not even talking about physical death. There's another verse in the New Testament that helps strengthen our passage today. 2 Corinthians 4.11 We who are alive, it says, are always being given over to death for the sake of Jesus so that his life might be revealed in our mortal body. That's not being morbid. That's talking about living for Jesus. I want to give you some homework today. Spend some time, if you will, Google it. Or if you have a hymnal at home, look for the old gospel song, Living 
for Jesus by Thomas Chisholm. Living for Jesus. And spend some time with that verb, with that song, and with this verse that I just read, 2 Corinthians 4, 11. We who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Spend some time with that hymn and that verse. It'll be time well spent. Number three. Let's look more closely at our verse this morning, those three phrases. First of all, deny self. When we follow Christ, remember the significance of those two words. We deny self. The Greek word is apneomai. And there are different English translations of that. It's been translated to become a stranger to myself, to disregard all thoughts of myself, to abandon self. The simplest one that just simply means to give up one's self. Let me give you the Phillips translation. I'm not talking about the theologian J.B. Phillips. Let me give you the Phillips translation. It's in your bulletin. Look at it in the outline. To deny self means to give up all claims of self-existence and self-purpose, replacing them with the existence and the self-purpose of Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is what? Christ. Jesus said in John 4.34, my food is to do the will of him that sent me to accomplish his work. In other words, my food, that what sustains me, that what makes me and keeps me alive, that what makes me who I am is to follow the will of the Heavenly Father. And to do that is to die to self. That second phrase, take up your cross daily. Taking up our cross is not passive. It's not something that we resign ourselves to because we have no choice. It is an active choice. There is a difference between burdens and cross-bearing. Things happen to us, difficulties come our way. There may be a chronic illness, some problems, some relationships, some challenge that we're dealing with and it doesn't go away after time. And so people say, well, that's just my cross to bear. We see some of these happening to someone else around us. We say, well, that's just their cross to bear. Well, I'm sorry. No, it isn't. I'm not making light of those very real circumstances that God does allow to come into our lives. Sometimes those physical problems, those issues, those concerns, those things that we carry without choice. If I could, I would choose not to carry that burden, whatever it is, but I can't, so I guess I just have to bear it. That is not your cross to bear. I don't understand why God's allowing this to happen. I wish I didn't have to, but I guess I'll have to. I'll do it if I have to. That is not your cross to bear. The words, very, very simply, the words take up your cross were without question. Referring to that Roman practice of forcing a criminal to carry their cross to their place of execution. It was the ultimate shame. It was the ultimate humiliation. It was the ultimate dread. There's still people today 
dragging crosses across America. And if you go to some of their websites, you'll see that most of them have installed wheels at the bottom of that cross so that it's easier to carry across pavement or across the sidewalk. And that most of them have their suitcases strapped onto that cross and their bottles of water and food and dry clothes and cell phones and laptops and they look for a place to check into a motel at night when they get tired. Jesus knew when he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem, it would only lead to one place. There was no way out. He was carrying his tool of execution. He had already pleaded with the Father, if there is any other way, but he knew there wasn't. Back in John 4, 34, he said, my food is to do the will of the Father. And he knew that the will of the Father had only one outcome, and that was to die. Then he says to us, you want to follow me? You're going to need to take up your cross. And Luke is the only one out of all those passages that have the phrase, Luke is the one who inserts the word daily. You must take up your cross daily. Now that's another reference to the fact that he's not talking about martyrdom. He's not talking about physical death. But there is the school of thought that, that Luke inserted that word daily in order to soften it, in order to tone it down a little bit. In other words, it's just another way of saying that, yes, there are always going to be challenges for us in the Christian life. Yes, there are, but that's not what this is talking about. Jesus knew that the time would come when those of his closest friends were going to have to place their lives on the line, and he wanted them to count the cost. And in the very same way, he would say to us today, if you are going to be serious about following me, you have to count the cost as well. No, maybe not physical death, but you're going to have to die to sell. That's the problem that some people have with fasting and with Lent. Now, if these practices help remind people of the importance of self-denial, I'm all for it. But you see, the Christian walk must be a daily experience. And if the only time that we think about our walk of faith is on an occasional fast or once a year during Lent, then we have terribly missed what Jesus was. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die every day. A very direct reference to our passage in Luke today. That last phrase, follow me. The Greek word is a kolotheo. And the best English translation of that is this, to be in the same way as. To be in the same way as. I find it very significant that the first words that we have any record of Jesus saying to Peter, we have it in Matthew chapter 4 and in Mark chapter 1, Jesus looked at Peter and simply said, follow me. I want us to look this morning 
at what we, as far as we know from Scripture, are the last words that Jesus said to Peter. We have it in John chapter 21. You can turn to it if you want or just allow me to tell you the story of what's happening there in that 21st chapter of John. This is after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was with his disciples for the last time. And after asking Peter that question, do you love me, three times, we've all heard sermons on that and the significance of those words and the, the, the interpretation of the phrasings there, that's all important. But I want us to see what happened right after that. Jesus began to talk to Peter in using some figurative terms about how Peter would die and how Peter would glorify God in his death. And he follows it up with those two words, Peter, follow me. Well, good old Peter. John happened to be standing close by and Peter looks over at John and then back to Jesus and he said, well, what about him? How's he gonna die? Jesus knew he had to get Peter back on task. He wasn't being unkind. But he turns to Peter and he says, what is that to you? He had to bring Peter back to what was important. And the scriptures don't say it. But in my mind's eye, I see Jesus perhaps stepping a little closer to Peter. Maybe putting his hands on his shoulders and drawing him close. Maybe leaning in and whispering in his ear. He had said it many times. He had just said it a minute ago. This was his last chance. Follow. Do you think it might be important? Jesus was about to go to heaven. And he wasn't saying, Peter, I want you to be able to follow me to heaven one day. That's not what he was saying. Remember that definition of follow me. Be in the same way as. Follow him for salvation? Certainly, yes. But what Jesus was saying to Peter and what he would say to us today is follow me. Be in the same way as me in your lifestyle. Follow me. Be in the same way as me in your commitment to the Father. Follow me. Be in the same way as me in your lifestyle, in your words, in your actions. I think the Apostle Paul must have remembered this when he said in Philippians 2.5, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Or in the old King James, let this mind, the mind of Jesus, be in you. Tradition has it that in his last days, Peter was chained between two guards. And they kept having to change the guards. Why? Because Peter was winning them to Christ. But you know what? They really didn't need those chains around Peter. Peter was dead. He had lost his life. He had given his life over to Jesus a long time before. traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my weary back had bowed me to despair. I oft complained to Jesus how folks were treating me. 
Then I heard him say so tenderly. My feet were also weary upon the Calvary road. The cross became so heavy I fell beneath the load. Be faithful. Weary pilgrim, the morning I can see, just lift your cross and follow close to me. And that brings us to one final question this morning. What part of your life needs to die? Do you need to once and for all give your heart and your life to Jesus? And trust him as your Lord and Savior and follow him in those waters of baptism where we symbolize death to the old life and rising up to a new life. Maybe you've done that. But you also have come to realize that there are some areas of your life that you need to let go of. Maybe some attitudes. Maybe some parts of a lifestyle. Maybe some words or thoughts. Jesus is saying to you today, follow me. Let's pray. Father, we give this time to you now and asking that through your spirit, you would touch hearts and lives, even in these very moments. Father, forgive us for the times that we have failed you. Forgive us for those times that we have chosen our own way over your way. And lead us, Father, to give ourselves completely to you, to die to self in such a way that Jesus would be seen and heard and felt and experienced in us every day. Hear our prayer today in his name. Amen. We come to a time of commitment in our service this morning. And as we stand and sing, this would be your opportunity to respond in any way that God might be touching your heart, your life. If there's a decision that you would make today regarding your relationship with this church or your relationship with God, you can do that right where you stand. You may wish to come and kneel here at the front and pray. I'm going to be standing at the front. You may wish to come and allow me to be able to pray with you in any way that God might be speaking to you. Would you listen? And would you respond as he touches your heart? Stand as we sing to